All right. Well, what a busy morning. So much going on here at Grace Chapel. It's exciting. And, and I don't know if you guys can tell, but holidays are in the air. I can smell Christmas coming. It's in the air. And, and, and there is Christmas music playing at our house. I am unashamed. We listen to Christmas music on November 1st. We start it going. I think it's because it takes so long to get the joy. You know, like you just got to work on it a little bit at a time. So we are here. We're doing that. And, and what a day we've had so far this morning. Um, tomorrow is Veterans Day. And so can I just ask our armed service uh, men and women to stand, and can we just give a round of applause for, for all they've done? Thank you. Thank you, guys. I am proud and honored to be a part of a country with such a rich legacy in history, and I just love, love, love what you guys do for our country, so thank you. Um, so we've got a lot going on, as I mentioned, for the holidays, and, and we've been going through this series called Partnership, and Partnership, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, we've not been going through a series called Partnership. We have been partnering in a series uh, that is um, the power of routine, and we started last week with the power of routine, and we talked about prayer. And this week, we're going to talk about prayer again because it is powerful. And um, we are, after, after this week, we're going to talk about Scripture, and then we're going to talk about fasting. And that's going to be kind of our series, The Power of Routine. And it's been an interesting series so far. It's been um, uh, interesting to talk about routine and to talk about prayer in a routine kind of way. And um, if you've ever gotten into a routine before um, or maybe tried to get into a routine before, you, can, you know how difficult routine is. If you have a life like I have, like I'm sure you have, life is busy. Life is hard. I was talking to a friend the other day, and he just, we were scratching our head going, why does it get busier and busier? It doesn't seem like it ever is going to slow down. And we always say things like, oh yeah, when things slow down, we will, or we're going to go do that thing when we have a chance. And the chance just never seems to come. Life is so busy. The routine, the thought of adding a routine into my life to be honest with you, is a little intimidating. Um, but I'll tell you a story. My wife and I, when we first started dating, it was actually our third date. And uh, we had gone to the movies on our first date, and we had gone to dinner on our second date. I feel like those are pretty good first two dates. And she gave me a third date, so right away I was pretty excited. And, and we were trying to figure out what to do for our third date. And, and this is kind of the phase in the relationship where you, it's more than like just a couple hours. You're going to spend a whole day together, so what are you going to do? And, and she said, well, let's go for a run. Uh, and, and I said, um, you, uh, yeah, <laughs> she's really cute. I really like her. I don't know why she wants to run on purpose. You know, I'm 21 years old, and I, I, I'm not kidding you. I had never once in my life thought about running to run, right? Like, I never had that desire. I, I knew I'd heard legend and lore of these people that would do this for fun, and I had no idea why. Uh, and I said, whatever you want. Whatever you want. You want to run, I will run with you. So we um, met at the park, and uh, she's all excited, and uh, it's mid-morning, and, and we start running. And I think about three minutes in, I realized how hard running is. Like, you, you laugh, but it's like you don't think about it. It's like, of course, I can run. I'm 21 years old. Of course, I can run. Well, running just quickly became this thing that um, I knew I wasn't good at. And, and as I realized I wasn't good at it, I realized what it could do for me. And I realized how out of shape I was. I realized that I didn't know what this routine would mean for me, 
But the further I got into the routine, the more I realized what it could do for me. And spiritual routine is that way. I have been running ever since. In fact, I, I swear, I promise, I ran last week. It was difficult, and I wondered why I was still doing it, but, but the routine is still there. Spiritual discipline, the power of routine, when you start it, you will be shocked at how hard it is. And you'll get a little further in it, and it'll be hard, and you'll wonder why, and you'll keep going and going, and then eventually, slowly, you start to see that the miles speed by a little quicker. You're not quite as out of shape, out of breath, and when you run with somebody, you can actually tell a story while you're running. That, they say, is a good sign that you're in shape. Like things, routine can be incredibly exhausting, but the power of routine comes when we start to see the, the, the maturity come out of the spirituality that we're talking about. So last week we talked about prayer. Jesus' disciples saw him um, praying. And they looked at each other and they said, um, we've never seen that before. How does he do that? And so they asked him, they said, teacher, would you, would you teach us how to pray? And Jesus did this thing. He said, yes, I'll teach you how to pray. Uh, but then he didn't teach them how to pray. So he, he said, yes, I'll teach you how to pray, and then he taught them why they should pray before he taught them how they should pray. And Jesus would do this. He, somebody would ask a question, and he'll say, yeah, yeah, I'll answer that, and then he'll ask the question that they should have asked first before he gets to the question that they really asked. Jesus taught the disciples why they should pray without the disciples having to ask that question. And then he taught them how. And if you were here last week, we talked about the why, why we pray. Jesus gave us two negative examples. He gave us the, the hypocrites that pray in public with big words and flowery expressions to impress the people. And he said, don't, don't do that. Don't pray like that because they've gotten their reward. What they received socially for that prayer, that's all they're going to get. And then he gave us another negative example, and, and, he used, and he said the word pagans. The pagans pray with many words and long prayers and the reason that they do that is they're just desperately trying to get heard. It's like a formula. It's like a, it's like a vending machine. You, you put in the right combination, you put the money, you put the right combination, and boom, out comes out what you want. Jesus said, don't do that. Then don't do that. In fact, your heavenly Father knows what you need even before you ask, so you don't have to worry about that. Instead, he said, do this. Go to your room, close your door, and pray to your heavenly Father who is unseen. When your father sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. He gives the why. You see, the why is that God wants a relationship with us. Our heavenly father, the, the alpha and the omega, the great I am, the creator of the universe, the one who tells your lungs to fill with air and your blood, heart to pump blood so your brain can think, the one who created all of that, he wants to be with you. He can't wait to be with you. It's like me when I wait for my kids to come home from school. I can't wait for them to come through the door and for me to sit them down and go, okay, tell me all about it. I, I wait for them and I think about them and I go, they're my children and I cannot wait to, to spend time with them because I've missed them. This, the heavenly father is this way with you. So without the disciples even asking, Jesus says, pray because God loves you and he wants to spend time with you. You don't have to stress about getting all the requests right. 
You don't have to have a special magical formula in order for you to be heard. You don't have to worry about that because your Father knows you and He loves you. And that is what we left off last week. So right before the how, we stopped. So that's where we'll pick it up, Matthew 6. If you've got a Bible, turn to it. If you've got your phone, just ask Siri and they'll dial it up for you or something. Matthew 6, we're going to pick it up in verse 9. So this then is how you should pray. You pray because the Father wants you to and He loves you and He can't wait for you to pray. That's why. And then He says, this then is how you should pray. This then. So in in regards to all that we just heard, in regards to the why. And I say that, and I'm going to say it over and over again, because if you think what you're about to read is a formula, you are going the direction of the pagans. It's not a formula. You don't say these words in order to be heard. And if you like to recite this in front of all your friends and you know it off the top of your, off the top of your head, Jesus is saying, that's, that's the way of the hypocrites. That's not why. So this then, because he wants you to, because he loves you, if, you if, if that's the direction you're heading, then this is how, this is how you should pray. And before I'm just done with that little statement, how, not what. That's key. Jesus didn't say this is exactly what you should pray. He said this is how you should pray. So there's three phases of the Lord's Prayer that we're going to look at. Three things that I think we should do every time we pray or every time we spend concentrated, routine time with the Father. And I I believe that if we do this, if we use these three categories and we pray because God wants to spend time with us, we're going to see the power of routine. We're going to see this power come out of our prayer life that maybe you've never seen before. Maybe you've seen some other time and, and, and you need a refresher. You want it back. These three things are very key. He starts off and he sa- Jesus says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, some people say this is the first time the disciples would have heard Jesus refer to God as Father. Well, he referred to it just a few verses ago. Conceptually, Jesus was the first person to talk about God as a father in the sense that he's approachable. And it's not just that he's approachable, it's that he wants you to approach him. He's waiting for you to approach him. And the pagans believed that if they just annoyed their gods, literally, if they would just annoy them enough that gods would go, okay, fine, just do what they want. If you just annoy them, that's why they would repeat what they said over and over and over and over and over. They're literally trying to annoy And it works, because it annoys me. (laughs) I think it annoyed Jesus, too. This isn't about repetition, but this is our Father. So right before you get to anything else in your prayer, this is your spiritual Father, and He loves you, and He sent His Son to die for you. This is the Alpha and the Omega. This is the one who numbered the hairs on your head before time. He knew you were going to be born, and he couldn't wait to be introduced to you. And he's so excited to spend time with you. You were perfectly created the way he wanted you created, 
and you are exactly what he wants in a daughter or a son. This is our Father. And it's this posture that Jesus immediately puts us in. This is our Father, and, and He loves us, and He wants us. And, and we're going to hallow His name. We're going to honor His name. We're going to realize. We're just going to take a second and think about who this is we're talking about. We're going to honor Him. We're going to worship Him. We're going to praise Him for His very existence. And if you can just stay there for a moment or two, you start to feel the stress and the fear and the frustration and the anxiety start to slip off your shoulders because this is the great I am. And he cannot wait to hear how your day went. It's who he is. I don't know how long you need to stay there. In your routine, in your daily prayer life, how long do you stay there? Like two minutes, five, 20 minutes? What? How long? I don't know. I don't know how long you stay there. You stay there until this idea saturates you. Because that's the way Jesus tells us to pray. You see, we declare his greatness. That's the first step in prayer. We declare the greatness of God. God, I know who I'm talking to. I know that you are so big, I can't even describe you. That's who you are, and I know that full well. That's the posture that we pick this prayer up. We haven't even gotten to my needs yet, but already I'm going to honor him and I'm going to declare his greatness. Then he goes on to verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So only after you sat and thought for a few minutes about the greatness of God, Sometimes I play this game where I go macro and I think of like the universes and the galaxies and everything that he's put into place and told to operate the way they operate. Sometimes I go micro and I think of like the, the, the neutrons and the atoms and how it all works together. And this, this is all created because of God. It's not till after you get to that place that Jesus wants you to move on to God's will and what he wants. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. The kingdom is the representation of God's will being carried out exactly as God wants it to be carried out. And his will being done just like it is in heaven where he dwells now, I want it done here on earth. You know, we live in this liminal period where, where sin seems to just to eat us away like cancer, and we have this enemy, that the prince of the air, and he rules, and, and some reason God has allowed him some sort of dominion. But this prayer cuts through that, and it says, the great God, the one who made it all, I sit before you and I want what you want. When you think of his greatness, it's easy to want what he wants. But if you're like me about this point in your prayer, your back's getting a little sore, maybe your knees, if you're on your knees, are a little hurting, and you're thinking about those things that you got to ask him, right? Like the things that you want. And so, so it's like, yeah, but we got to get to my will part. We got to get to the stuff that I want. But just stay there a minute. Just stay there for a few more seconds and think about the great I am and the things the great I am wants compared to your wants. Don't worry, we'll get to our wants. But if we just take a minute 
and think, if God is this, then above anything I can conjure in my little brain, I want what he wants. And that's a tough place to be. It's an easy place if you're thinking about, you know, which Ivy League school to go to. (laughs) Oh, whatever God wants. But it's hard when your wife just got a diagnosis that is scary or your friend's child is is in chemotherapy now and and you're not sure if he's going to make it. Or or, or that job is is looking a lot more difficult than you thought and you might get let go and if you get let let go, you don't know what's going to happen to your family. Things get challenging the longer you sit there and think. This prayer is not, or this section is not about my will not. It's about God's will being above my will. And the question is, is how long do you stay there? Sometimes it takes 10 seconds. Think of Lazarus in John chapter 11 when Jesus stays away from Lazarus on purpose so that Lazarus would die, and then Jesus shows up after Lazarus has died, and he cries over Lazarus dying, and then he says this thing, and this is just mind-blowing what Jesus says. He says, God, I know what you're going to do. You know what you're going to do, and I know what you're going to do, and the only reason I'm praying to you is so all these people know I didn't do this on my own. Your will be done. Roll that stone back. He's coming out. It's that fast. Jesus is right there. He's right there. Okay, I want what God wants, and I know what God wants, and God is going to do what he wants, so I'm good with that. Ten seconds. How long did it take to pray that prayer? It's interesting that God is talking, Jesus is talking to God about people hearing him talk to God. Anyway, Jesus is preaching through the prayer in case you missed that. Kind of fascinating. But sometimes, sometimes it takes an all night. Sometimes it takes all night to get to the place where you're ready to sacrifice your will for the sake and for the will of the Father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prays all night. It says he prayed so intensely that sweat blood, he, 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 he sweat blood out of his forehead. And then at the very end of that prayer, Jesus says, if there's any way, if there's any way, take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. And then Jesus would go on to be crucified on the cross This section is surrendering to his will. Surrender to his will. You take it seriously, it could take a while, (laughs) depending on what your list of things that you need are that day. Can you imagine if we did this on a routine basis, on a daily basis? You just take the first two sections. We don't have to get to the third section. The first two sections would change our lives. It would change my life routinely thinking about God's greatness and giving Him honor and praise and thinking about how I can surrender my will to His will so that He can, that the power of God would go out. Oh, I tell you, I probably would have less sleepless nights and I would probably be less stressed out. Declare God's greatness, surrender to His will. Verse 11, give us today our daily bread. Just stop there for a minute. Give us today our daily bread. 
all the stuff, all the worry, all the things that are going really wrong in my life, God, just take care of me today. There's a nuance here to the Old Testament story. Israel is starving to death in the desert. And they wake up one morning after asking God to provide for them, and there's this white stuff all over the ground, and I don't know who the first one was to try to put it in their mouth, and somebody tasted it, and they went, oh my gosh, it tastes like bread. And it's this thing they called manna. And the crazy thing about manna is it wouldn't last but 12 hours. They could pick it up in the morning, and it, it would store up all day, but if they went to sleep, and the stuff that they had stored would turn to rot, and it would have maggots in it, and all this horrible stuff, and they couldn't eat it the next morning. They literally had to trust God every day, 12-hour period, not even 24, 12-hour period. Will he do it again tomorrow? He got me through today. Whew, my belly's full. I'm sleeping happy. Will he do it tomorrow? Jesus is saying, just give us today what we need today. Lord, I'll let you worry about tomorrow. I'll let you worry about my career I'll let you worry about my marriage. I'll let you worry about my relationship with my kids. I just, I just need today. Can you care for me today? The simplicity and the innocence of that kind of faith is precious. And he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This whole section is about acknowledging dependence. Give us today our daily bread because we can't do it ourselves. In fact, Lord, if it wasn't for you, my heart couldn't pump blood. I, I wouldn't live. I wouldn't survive. With, without you, God, I wouldn't have been born. I wouldn't have existed. So, so I'm depending on you today for today's stuff. And, and forgive our debts. So many times I forget this. I think back of when I was six years old, and I asked Jesus into my heart in that moment where he forgave me, and, 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 and everything became real to me in that moment, and I, and as much as a six-year-old could understand, I understood that Jesus died for me because he loves me. Oh, special. But I think about that point of forgiveness. I don't think about the debts that I come up with every day that God forgives me for. All the thoughts all the comments, driving on the highway, somebody cuts you off, whether you're a talker or you're a thinker, most of us think it. The debts we build, we conjure up in our life just on a daily basis, God forgives us of those debts. And, and this, in this prayer, we're just admitting that we are so dependent on Him, we can't even get through a day without Him having to forgive us. That's the, that's the reality the reality of sin in our life. We acknowledge our dependence on Him. And, and it's not just forgive us our debts. This beautiful thing happens. When we acknowledge God forgiving our debts, it seeps through us, and we get to forgive those around us. And then we become known as the person. It doesn't matter how many times I mess up with Josh. He just seems to love me anyway, and he forgives me. Why is that? Why is he doing that? Because Josh knows that God's doing it for him. It's the great equalizer. It doesn't make anybody more important than anybody else. Whether you can remember every Bible study you've ever been to, or you have a seminary degree, or, or, or what, all the knowledge doesn't matter. Because God is forgiving you 
just like he wants you to forgive those who have sinned against you. We acknowledge our dependence on him. And lead us not, Jesus says, into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, we acknowledge our dependence on you that if you, if you even led us to the door of sin, we're going to sin. That's how incapable we are of keeping ourselves pure. We are utterly dependent on you leading us away from evil. Lead us away, God, because that's the only way that I can make it without it. <laughs> that's how dependent I am on him. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil one. If God doesn't deliver us from the evil one, no one can. I'm admitting my dependence on him just for deliverance, just for protection, because we have an enemy, and we know that because of what Scripture tells us. He's like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. He's real. And without God's protection, we're helpless. We're utterly dependent on him. We declare God's greatness. We surrender to his will, and we acknowledge our dependence on him. This is what prayer is about. This is what routine prayer is about. And I'll just say this. Jesus wants us to pray like this. But I don't think Jesus is saying, don't pray when you forgot to pray for something and you're driving down the road and you go, oh, Lord, I forgot. Will you be with the doctors, my friends, reconstructive knee surgery? I forgot to pray. Sorry, Ed. I did remember eventually. It, it, those kind of prayers are wonderful. The kind of prayer where the only thing you can utter is a moan because you're in so much pain. It's okay. Your heavenly Father, because of His greatness and His ability to take care for you and His desire for you, His will for you, because of all these things, we can respond to any situation that faces us with immediate and, and, and perfect prayer. Sitting with my friend and his family in the, in the hospital wondering how the surgery is going to go, I didn't take five minutes and wonder about God's greatness. This isn't a formula. This is a state, a perspective we have. But there is something to be said about every day going into your room, closing your door, and saying, God, I want to worship you. I want to worship your greatness because you're my father and I'm your son. And I just want to tell you I know that. Thank you. And God... Your will, you know what I want. And I want everything from that cherry red Corvette to my grandmother getting another five years of her life so I can love on her a little more. I want it all, God. And you know that. But even above that, I want your will. Your will be done. And God, I can't do this without you. I can't go through a day without you. I need your forgiveness and I need your, your, um, your blessing. I need you to care for me. I need you to protect me because I'm utterly helpless without you. To do that on a daily basis, in private, no one can hear you cry. 
No one can hear you laugh or shout sometimes. You come in early in the morning, you might hear me shouting, sorry. No one's around, no one can hear it. It's just you and your Father. You pray this way and you dedicate this way of prayer to a routine. And it won't take long. It won't take long for you to start to realize the power that comes from the Father when you connect with Him like this daily. You'll start to see things the way He sees them. You'll start to feel how He feels. Father and Son will be united on a deeper and deeper and deeper basis. All your wants are the same. All your needs are the same. But I'll end with this. When you routinely pray Jesus' way, God's power will deepen your love for Him. Isn't that the secret? I want to love Him more. In my life group, we were talking this last week. How do we love Him more? How do we, how do we want to love Him more? The power of routine with this kind of prayer will deepen your love for Him. Declare His greatness. Surrender to His will. Acknowledge our dependence on Him, and we'll see the power of routine. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity just to take a minute on this Sunday morning and worship you for your greatness. And as difficult as it is to surrender to your will, put our will under yours, and to admit our dependence on you. You are the good Father, and we do not deserve you, but we love you, and we thank you for everything you've done for us. In your name, amen.